you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. BPA, best podcast available. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hans as I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. And he's back. Steve Weish. And it's time to go around the NFC. What's up, Steve? Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. NFC is my second, I mean, first favorite conference. <laughs> I'm an NFC kid, having been born in Minneapolis, which is why I'm going to be talking about the Vikings today. And I'm real mm. fired up about it. So I'm just ready to hear, you know, the rest of the heroes' great takes on this segment. Well, normally we, if, if the the money drop at the beginning says best podcast available, we wouldn't have someone on that that has his own podcast, the Huddle and Flow. You you may disagree with that, you know, sentiment there, Steve. Yeah, this is definitely a need pick, Greg. <laughs> it's not a BPA. It's also it's not clear who money was referring to. That's true. So it's yeah. really you could you could perceive it and any way you wish. Huddle and Flow, which please check it out with Weiss and Jim Trotter on a hiatus right now. So technically, yes. that's not in the conversation, and that's why we were able to safely mm. use that drop. Ah. Okay, we were an opt-out. <laughs> the gif of the guy going like this. Um, right. All right. So, if you can, in case you missed it, on Tuesday, the great Claybon was with us. We went around the AFC in exactly 48 minutes. And that's so important, Steve. I think this is the first time you've joined us for this particular exercise. And the, the discipline required to pull this off, uh, you are a disciplined man. And uh, that's why we feel comfortable that you'll know not to blow through stop signs when it comes to analysis of each team. I'm not even going to comment on that because I might be blowing through a stop sign. <laughs> well, we'll have, we'll have <laughs> sound effects. There will be a sound, you know, a countdown from 10 <laughs> seconds. So you'll, you'll be fair warned. Um, all right. So the setup, easy. Each of us take one team per division in the NFC. Try to end your analysis quickly with a question, and then we talk about that team. Let's have some fun. Ricky, how you doing, by the way? Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. Ricky went she doesn't realize, like, I'm trying to bring her into the show, and then I ask her, and then there's, like, 15-second delay. Yeah, it's so funny because we're not in a studio, and I have, like, a whole computer <laughs> set up that I have to, like, get into a virtual studio. It's so seamless, Dan. <laughs> you, you know, you millennials so and your excuses. <laughs> dead on dead on analysis i will destroy uh, you have a great show <laughs> all right let's let's kick it off uh right now around the nfc we go starting with the nfc east hit hit the horn ricky oh it's like i'm back at dj's on the jersey shore in belmar there here we go the washington football team greg rosenthal Ooh, we're starting with the the most exciting team in this division i like it all this is just like a solid football team. I, I, there, it's just, it's a solid head coach. It's Ron Rivera. It's a lot of professionals. Look at this defensive line. Look at this secondary. They quickly uh, rebuilt with William Jackson and Kendall Fuller. Look at their offensive line. They might be bringing in Charles Leno to play left tackle. That was kind of their one uh, hole. I, I think it's just, I feel a little bit like Washington fans, which maybe they're looking at this team and they're like, how do we not go 10 and seven or 11 and six? And you think back to the last two decades where they have one playoff win. They're one of the you know least uh, winning teams of the decade. Like, where do you think this team could have the rug pulled out from? Because I've watched Washington so long, I kind of expect it to implode from within. And this one, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, though, this time, Steve. Steve's making a face. You just glossed over the whole quarterback thing, man. Right. Okay. You just forgot well, we've covered that. that. That's one. an upgrade. It's you. an upgrade. Back, it's an upgrade. Back down. I'm not going to blow the time, the time schedule here. No, we've got three minutes here. Don't you think Ryan Fitzpatrick is an upgrade? from? I mean, if nothing else, from what, yeah, where I mean, they were last year. Yeah, based off what they, what they had last year. But, I mean, once we go around this whole division, I mean, is he the best quarterback in the division? No. 
Definitely not. No, and I like if you look at the whole NFL, they're really like you could look at Houston and Washington as really some of the only teams that haven't don't have either like a long term starter at veteran or like a young quarterback that they've latched onto as their future quarterback of tomorrow. And I mean, I like Fitzpatrick as much as anyone else, but if things go awry, you're suddenly like looking at starts by like Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke. And it's just like the, the, that is what sets you apart. If things don't go perfectly with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, we all love, we love Ryan Fitzpatrick and we're all happy that it looks like he's going to get a chance to start. But at the end of the day, there's probably a ceiling here that, that uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, puts on your team he's a fun quarterback but this isn't like a championship caliber quarterback but in the nfc east i feel like uh, as long as he doesn't have one of those fitzpatrick years where he kills you with a ton of turnovers this defense could be legitimately special um we know what the front four is about and their their first round draft pick uh please someone jump in Jamie davis. davis yes that, that's guy. somebody that that addresses a huge need uh in the middle of their defense that could that's where they're going to win games I just love the weapons. Terry McLaurin, like legit number one. Uh, your boy, you know, Logan Thomas at tight end. Antonio Gibson, one of my favorite running backs to watch in the league. You add Curtis Samuel. You add Deami De- Brown uh, in the third round, who a lot of people like. And then you have Kelvin Harmon, who was productive, who, who tore his ACL. Cam Sims, who made a lot of players. Just like, I think the way you win with passing games now is to have five or six receivers. It's not about having two or three. Washington has that. It's got the defense. I think there's a lot of reason uh, to believe that this is a playoff team. And don't forget, you got Young Turner calling the plays. Mm. Ten. Nine, yeah, you eight, know, you just you just really seven, sent that that six, that segment out with five, a teaming. Four, three, two, one. <laughs> hey, a reminder: we have three timeouts. Also, for any reason, Steve, it could be anything. If you want to stop the clock? It's collective. All right, let's move on. Young turn. Philadelphia Eagles. Mark Sessler. I feel like the Eagles are a little bit of an eye of the beholder team because it depends on how you want to look at it. To me. They maybe they're on a full-on rebuild, okay? But I also think that there's some certainly some weird juju inside the building. Uh, you've got Nick Sirianni um, offering rather strange press conferences. Uh, you got Howie Roseman um, getting caught on national TV, getting like Heisman on an awkward fist bump with an an, an agitated coworker. So, but then at the same time, you can look at this roster: Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham, Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz, if they keep him, I am just wondering, because you got some stars on defense too, is this team maybe being looked at a little bit under the radar in a shaky NFC East, or are we like six months away from Sirianni, um, you know, getting agitated with a mouthy radio man saying this, Ricky? <laughs> I'm pissed off, Angelo. <laughs> Go Paul Peterson. I, I think they could be overlooked because I don't think any team is an incredible favorite in this division. So I, I did look not now that like the NFL's partnering with, you know, Caesars and stuff, like I think we can talk about this. The the Giants and the Eagles are huge underdogs to win this division. Plus, you know, four to one, five to one, the two of them. And it's like I would take those two and, and give them a chance and take them both to win the division because I don't think there's that much separating the top team in this division from the bottom. The reason I give the Eagles a chance is the reason they won the Super Bowl. They're still looking pretty good on both lines. There's a lot yeah, of look, talent and, on both their offensive and their defensive lines. And this division always comes – I mean, there's never – there's rarely, you know, a 13-3 and three or an, an upcoming year's a 14-3 and three type team that wins this division. It is usually – been a 10 and 6 team that's divided you know decided on upon the last two weeks of the season but but when it comes to the Eagles I mean I just can't wait until Jalen Hurts gets in the huddle and says okay guys rock paper scissors okay what are we going to do on this third third and one right you know that's isn't that the Sirianni decision making thing the rock paper scissors thing <laughs> so it's I, I I it just seems internally in that building we can look at the roster we can look at the coaching change but when you saw the chaos that happened this season, that, that trickles down. That does trickle down as much as the coaching staff tries to insulate it. So mm-hmm. if they can – Jeffrey Lurie, some of the decisions he made, if they can isolate this team because there's so many new players on this roster from some of that chaos, then I'm with Greg. I, I think they do have a shot because there's real no decisive team. And whoever is saying that the Giants are extreme underdogs to win this division – Ooh. I really want to have what they're drinking. Save it. Save it. Yeah. The, We're uh, saving it. 
The Eagles have struggled to identify wide receiver talent. Devonta Smith Ten, feels like nine, a no-brainer. Eight, and by the seven, way, Landon six, Dickerson, second-round pick, center. Four, three, you know, Brian Baldinger called him two, the best offensive one. lineman in this class, and it's not close. Stay healthy, son. That's what I said. O-line. Looking good. Stay healthy. Up next, the Dallas Cowboys, Steve Weich. Oh, yeah. So since we're talking about experts in mediocrity <laughs> with this division and these teams, let's go to Dallas. Look, Dak is back. He's got his paper, and they were playing well before Dak got hurt. And then it was just a trick. I mean, everybody started getting hurt. So the offensive line, still a little bit of a question mark. They addressed some of it in the draft, right? We know Dak's got the weapons at the skill position. But the Dallas Cowboys last year were the Alice Cowboys because there's no D to be spoken of. Look at that. Right? I mean, think about it. They got they got no pass rush. Your linebackers didn't play well. And their secondary, I mean, that's that's was a, a fantasy football quarterback's dream to play against. So they go out and they, they target some of these players. They get Micah Parsons. And let's not forget that Dan Quinn is now running this defense. So he's got Micah Parsons kind of be his Bobby Wagner. Doesn't necessarily have some of the pieces that he did in Seattle. So this might look a little bit more like Atlanta's defense until you get some of the personnel. But I do think the Cowboys, with Dak back, can score enough points and to be enough of a problem offensively, especially in this division, to kind of deal with a defense that's going to be better. Not great, Mm. but good enough to keep it in every game. I think they were annoyed that one of the top corners didn't fall to them. Um, That They seemed like a rock-solid target for a cornerback. But I, I think Dan Quinn has been put in a better position than last year's coordinator, Mike Nolan, because they went all defense in this draft. And I think Parsons is, you know, I'm a little concerned that, um, you know, the reports that he's starting riots in lunchrooms or whatever that was, but maybe you need a guy that can start a riot on this defense. I mean, they, Dan Quinn has a chance to be, because I think sometimes you get these head coaches that, you know, that burns out, but you put them back in the coordinator spot and they are that much more valuable for the experience they've had. Dan Quinn has a chance to be like coordinator of the year. And I like Dan Quinn a lot, so maybe I overthink it, but like I, th- this could be a much better defense. Yeah. And by the way, when Weiss says Alice Cowboys, it doesn't mean like Alice, the woman's name. He's not saying that. It's Alice, A-L-L-A-S. That's, I just want to make that very clear. Uh, to the audience. I think Alice Cowboys, though, could take off as a brand. I mean, that I feel like Eagles fans are already, you know. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I think with the Cowboys, it does come down to the defense, doesn't it? Because they're going to score a lot of points, especially But, but, if but will they? Out. Like, the, here's the – and yes. they will. But, but the one thing we made a mistake with the Lions last year is we were like, ooh, the, that six games before Matthew Stafford got hurt, they were like, you know, third in the league, and they're going to be awesome now coming back with the same guys. I do – think we we should slow expectations a little that they were these insane numbers when their defense couldn't do anything for six games but now you have Dak Prescott coming off an ACL and just things change Ten, year to year like nine, their defense needs to be eight, a lot better because I don't know if seven, they can expect their offense six, to be that good five, four, you don't three, think they're off it I'm not two, sure what your point was there. that like expecting a top three offense is expecting too much okay. guy coming off a torn ACL the New York Giants Uh, Big Blue, they were smart. They made some smart moves. Dave Gettleman, all right. Dave Gettleman, just when you think he's out, he does something that you feel like might buy him more time. Uh, This time it was trade back in a wise manner, uh, according to all the people that uh, seem to know these things and set themselves up for a couple of years uh, with draft picks. Um, And then they go, and of course they had Kadarius Toney in the first round. That's a wide receiver with a lot of upside. Kenny Galladay got the got the bag in free agency. Saquon Barkley's back. That's all good. It's all good. And it's like Daniel Jones. This is it. He's about to take off. But this offensive line, uh, we've talked about it on the show. Bad. Very bad last year. And uh, Dave Gettleman, when he was questioned about why they didn't really focus on it at all in the draft, he said, uh, well, it wasn't there for us. We didn't like the players, uh, which is all fine and good. But now you just got to hope all these guys you drafted last year it didn't play a lick. Uh, in 2020 are much better. Are the Giants still highly vulnerable on offense because they got a fumble-prone quarterback that doesn't have anybody that can block? Absolutely. I mean, they're trusting their evaluations because they you know, took Andrew Thomas over these other three tackles who ended up being awesome last year. He's the key to their team. And, and Matt Pert, who's their right tackle, they, they're bringing back Nate Solder to maybe be the swing tackle, was their third-round pick. 
that that's probably the key to their team because I like the defense. Like I like the weapons. I think the weapons are enough for Daniel Jones. Like we we talked a lot about Patrick Graham last year doing a lot with the parts he had. He's got more parts on defense this year. So I know I know you're you're angling for this team, Weiss. You got a little Giants fever. I, like. I I really like, and the main reason why I like what they did, and that you'll love this, Rosie, being a Patriots fan, is that they didn't make a lot of the dumb mistakes. Right, while they were kind of working through some of the things they had to work through, including a fumble prone quarterback, they weren't a team that made a lot of penalties. They weren't a team other than the fumbles that turned the ball over a lot or did things to put their team in a bad situation. They just didn't have the ability to put points on the board last year. And that's that's gonna help if Saquon comes back and stays healthy and some of the other pieces that they got. I mean, this is all on Daniel Jones. So now if he comes back and he plays fairly well, cuts down on the mistakes. This is enough of a fundamentally solid team, since solid has been the word du jour, that, again, can compete in this division that are the master class of mediocrity. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I would say also that, you know, you're dealing with the New York media. Daniel Jones is not, you know, there aren't going to be kid gloves at this point because the whole narrative is Daniel Jones is being put, up, put in a place to succeed as well as almost any quarterback in the league with the weapons they've added. And if it's if you're four weeks into the campaign and everyone looks solid, but Daniel Jones is you know protected Ten, or not fumbling the ball nine, left and right, eight, um, that you know the seven, tabloids are going to go utterly six, nuts, and so five, it will be entertaining four, one way or three, another. Steve, two, over not, over under one. Giants wins eight and a half. Taking the over, my friend. There we go. Might win the division. All right, NFC East down. We move to the NFC North, and let's start with the Detroit Lions. Where else would we start? It's the centerpiece of uh, America, Detroit. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think like, it's the like ho- this, this is where <laughs> this is like where America was born. Steel. It's like I don't know. There's, it's you, hard to get excited about the Lions. You sound like a kid that didn't Lions. do his homework, yeah, and now he's like just trying to bluff his I didn't way through. A question about the Lions. <laughs> Jared Goff said they had the best offensive line in the league um, this week, and I thought, you know what? He, he might not be far off if Panay Sewell is that good. Taylor Decker, a guy you trust at left tackle a pro bowler they just signed in Ragnow at center. And you got Jonah Jackson, a recent high pick at one of the two guard spots. It's like, I don't know what else the Lions got, but they got a good offensive line, and that's like a start. That That is where the, the Dan Campbell era starts. Otherwise, like, I have no idea what I'm going to see out of this team. Makes, makes sense, too, because they don't know who their quarterback of the future is. They know their future at wide receiver uh, and running back is probably not in the building right now. on Johnson just got the boot, by the way. Yeah, how about uh, that? But they have the foundation. Uh, everything's built in the trenches, and they feel like they have an offensive line, and then they can build off that. That There's logic, again, to what the Detroit Lions are doing in terms of rebuild. Even if, if you set an over-under for wins for the Lions, I would put it at around four. Uh, it's not going to be a great 2021 season, but maybe they're on the right track here. I don't like this, though. Jared Goff, yes, you have an offensive line, but your targets are Brashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Khalif Raymond, Quintez Cephas, and, and, and rookie Amon Ross St. Brown, who probably is going to get a ton of playing time. I just, you know, this is a team. I'm not going to get open. Well, this is one, exactly. This is one of those teams that passed on Justin Fields, and it's like you, you're going to be viewed um, on how, how he succeeds in your own division. So it's like I love making a nice offensive line, but uh, you may be passed over a totally psychotically awesome quarterback. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, look, this is how Dan Campbell builds it. I mean, look at what the Saints did, that guard to guard. All those years, they built guard to guard. Now they had Panay Sewell. And here's a little nugget. They liked him enough to, to contemplate moving up to four with Atlanta to get him because they thought that Cincinnati might take him at five. So Panay Sewell, when they were they were able to fall to him, that's why you saw those guys doing all the hugging that they did when they got Panay Sewell. So it is all, you know, Dan Campbell, now he's got the kneecap biters, right? So that's how <laughs> they want to establish it. And then who, who knows next offseason if Deshaun Watson becomes available. If some of those guys become available, that can be a quick fix if you've got some of the pieces. So, again, this is a rebuild. No one's expecting them to win the division, even if Jordan Love is a starting quarterback for the Packers. But they've clearly shown their hand as to how they want to build this team, tough guys, inside out. And, guys, that's a formula that's worked for a lot of teams, but you got to have a quarterback to be able to do it. It does feel no like idea. a new day, though, Ten, in Detroit. Like, they, nine, they, Brad Holmes eight, feels organized. Seven, like, six, six of, or seven other five, defensive starters. Four, I don't know who it's going to be. Three, and we don't know who Aaron two, Glenn is going to be as their one. coordinator. It's, like, wide open on their defense. Their staff is good. Their staff is very, very good. Up next, the Chicago Bears, Mark Sessler. 
Remember, I got on that Lions bandwagon last year, and the thing fell off smart. the highway, but I, it was one year really too smart. early. Anyways, the Bears, how about this? The days of killing Ryan Pace, which I have you know, done essentially every episode going back for two or three years, I think they're over because I give the Bears, um, I feel so differently about them now. They tried for Russell Wilson. It didn't work out. They then, you know, listen, they, they are the team that went and made the move for Justin Fields. And that started with Matt Nagy having a conversation with Ryan Day, Ohio State coach, a year ago where Day said, this is a generational talent. And that's where the Nuggets started. And Ryan Pace, Ryan, 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 Matt Nagy said, I'm in. I'm in on this. So I just wonder, though, here's my question. A week or, you know, these guys, their butts were on fire a week ago. And it's like they were playing for their jobs. And it, it, you thought maybe the whole thing gets swept out. At this point, their butts are much cooler. They, they have bought new life with this quarterback pick. Do you think, though, that Matt Nagy, after all we've seen, and Ryan Pace are the right guys to continue what they're doing? Or, or is this just mm. preventing the inevitable uh, year into Justin Fields' career? You know, he's out. All right. They're well, out. Let, me, let me say this. All right. Let's see this new quarterback on the field. And I'll have a better idea of this entire regime because we knew the Trubisky move was disastrous for the franchise, and they are very lucky, extremely fortunate Pace and Nagy to get another bite at the apple here. Um, I would think if things go sideways this year and Fields' development isn't where um, people expect it to be, they're out. They might not even make it to Week 17 or Week 18. Uh, But yeah, if Fields is as good as people think he could be, not only was it a a brilliant move uh, to breathe some life back into the organization and bring in this guy that could be potentially franchise altering. It does for job security was a huge move by both those guys. It was a no brainer all the way around. Hmm. Yeah. Look, their, their, their butts are still very hot. I mean, people (laughs) may, people may like their smiling faces right now, but if it doesn't work, they're out. And Justin Fields can be playing for a different coordinator head coach next year. And, And, I like what they did. I'm completely with Dan. My first thought is they may have bought themselves some time. If Fields comes out, if they're competitive, he does some things with some of the weapons that he has. I mean, their offensive line is still so-so. They could not run the ball at all for the past two years. I mean, that that part of things has right. to be figured out. But if they could at least show some signs, they may say, okay, we can build – around Justin Fields. But if it's if it's fits and starts and fits and starts, are they open the season with Andy Dalton? I mean, this isn't the no. 2017 Bears, though. That's the problem. It's not Mitch Trubisky's Bears. Like, yes, you're changing people's lives. Our producer on the TV side, Matt Tanton, he had jumped ship from the Bears. He's yeah, back he in now. Like, you're bringing people back in. But their offensive line, they're starting a rookie on one side, Jermaine Effetti on the other. It's not the same Khalil Mack. It's not the same Akeem Hicks. Like, unless those guys are as good as they used to be, it's not going to work. You know, you just guarantee that this part of the podcast will be on our network program. Because Matt Tanton is producing that. Smooth move. Up next, the Minnesota Vikings, Steve Walsh. Man, well, you know, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, guys, they, they've gone and done it. They've drafted a quarterback. And Kellen Mond, even though he's a third-round pick, it is going to take those three consecutive, you know where they're coming, below 200-yard passing games by Kirk Cousins, where they where they go one and two before the fan base is play Mond, play Mond. They're not, you know, look, who knows if Mond is going to get ready. He's got a completely different skill set than Kirk Cousins, but they have introduced themselves mm. into the quarterback controversy world. And it is about time because Kirk Cousins – you know he's going to show up every day. You know some weeks he's going to bring you junk mail, and some days he's going to bring you a nice stimmy check. Okay, but it's it, well this is a team that is so reliant on Dalvin Cook as well. Now I like some of the things they did to enhance their offensive line. Okay, they've they've done some things to get better on the offensive line, which they had to do. Their defense is going to be better. Remember last year they were just decimated by injuries. You get Anthony Barr and Daniel Hunter back. I think Patrick Peterson still got some game left. Everyone's mocking that free agent signing. I, th- I think he's got some game left to come out and help. So I think the Vikings are going to contend for the division. Hmm. Okay. Even with those three consecutive minus 200 yard passing games from Kirk Cousins, because they've got Dalvin Cook. And even though there's going to be whispers of play Kellen Mond, especially if he has a good preseason. The Vikings are going to hold firm on Kirk, and they are going to challenge for the division. 
I'm with you. I like that. I think Darasaw, Wyatt Davis, those are the two linemen. And here's the thing. This is why it'd be stupid to put in the rookie uh, if Cousins and when when Cousins goes into one of those three-week funks. He always comes out of it. And then for the next five weeks, he's in like the top three in the league in passer rating. And he's got an absurd touchdown to interception ratio. That's just the Kirk Cousins experience. So bailing on him when he goes into a slump is just costing yourself down the line. I I would worry about this, though, in terms of, you know, Mond becoming – like Mr. Excitement, you still have to pay Kirk Cousins $35 million guaranteed next season. So, you know, he's untradeable um, and let, you know, unless the team is completely out of their minds. And so you're, you're, the controversy will wage on. It's not easy to get rid of Kirk Cousins uh, for, for next season. So that's... But he's not like an albatross like some other quarterbacks no. either. No, I he's mean, fine. He's been I mean, he's streaky. It's weird because you think of him as this like steady, boring guy. No, he is either on fire like in a good way, or he's, you know, like, you know, lighting your playbook on fire. They need those rookies, though, on the offensive line to, like, play well. Everyone always, like, slots in, okay, well, we, we signed two good rookies, you know, and you know, we drafted one in the first round. That solves that. It's like, no, half the time it's going to be a disaster. It's like a bigger problem. It's like starting a couple of rookies. This is on your radar, Greg. I like it. Just say. But you're right. There's always the assumption, oh, we fixed our offensive line. Well, let's see. All right. The Green Bay Packers. All right, so Aaron Rodgers, obviously in the conversation, top 10 quarterback all time. Coming off a year in which he won MVP for the third time. He's furious. He's filled with venom and vengeance. That's venomgence. So perhaps knowing the man and how spiteful he is, and nobody knows him more than the Packers internally, perhaps this is the time. Yeah, he's declared vengeance. Perhaps this is the time to trade a 37-year-old quarterback before he goes and retires on you. Um, and I know it's it, it takes you completely out of contention in 2021 and all that, and maybe for the next couple of years. But maybe if you truly know the situation, this is the right move. Anybody agree with me? What is the right move? Trade him? To trade if he if he's telling you and he's well, telling all free agents don't come back I'm leaving and he's telling you face to face I'm never playing for you again maybe you should listen to right, him when, and reset your franchise I guess my point would be unless you're getting established players back right now let him rot for a year because you're only getting drafts the draft picks are what is <laughs> let him you. rot Greg says it's, I'm on. I'm not buying that he's gonna be out we're already seeing a little bit of. Um, hedging that this is a, a a solution that could be fixed by former teammates on our network james jones you know john kuhn talking on the radio so if they think it can be fixed i think it can be fixed and if you're only getting draft picks those draft picks are the exact same getting them next april or next february as they are right now so you might as well just wait and see well here's the thing greg i mean to your point though if you're going to trade him go ahead and trade him before right. the season because you drafted Jordan Love in the first round. He's going to play at some point. So if you're going to trade him, move him. I don't think the Packers are going to trade him. I think it's you play for us or you play for no one. Go host Jeopardy or Soul Train, whatever it may be that tickles your fancy. But you are not going to play for anyone else if it's not us. You still get Jordan Love reps for the year. You Tough still have though, the same for Jordan impact. Love. Tough Tough uh, shoes. They got, they to fill. This is the like a, he's got to play anywhere. I get it, but it's kind of a no win. Like you're well, taking over for the MVP. The the it is a tough situation. It, but you can spin it saying he's the one who sat out. Packers Nation. We didn't trade him. We didn't dump him. He's the one who wanted to go sit in the sandbox. So that's the way they have to spin it because there's no way they're going to win this battle, especially after the same circus that happened with Brett Favre seems to be to some degree playing out again. I, I would be concerned about the Jordan Love angle, though. I mean, all whispers and reports out of Green Bay. It wasn't even the backup last year that he just didn't develop. And they knew, you know, coming out of Utah State that he was going to have to take time. Um, but still, Nine, there's no evidence. Eight, of, there's seven, like, oh, he's blowing six, up in practice, and he's five, like a Colin Kaepernick four, versus three, Alex Smith type situation. Two, it's like, who one. is this guy? Is he the starter? Can he do it? Isn't Matt LaFleur supposed to be a quarterback whisperer? I'm tired yeah. so much of this stuff. You're, these guys are getting hired. Time out. Quarterback whisper into Time coach out, Ricky. Time out, Ricky. Go on, Steve. Let's just continue the Rodgers conversation. I'm pulling a T.O. Go ahead. No, these guys are getting hired because they're the, they're the offensive gurus, right? And they can't develop a quarterback who you took in the first round. Sounds to me like this quarterback whisperer 
is kind of like a quarterback mumbler. Oh. I'm tired. I'm tired of sitting here saying that guys can't Why develop. Why fire today? No, I well, mean this is this has been a, this has been you know in my crow for a while. When the, mm. all these quarter all these coaches are getting paid big money, they're they're leapfrogging other candidates, deserving candidates, because they're great play callers and play great play schemers, and they can't develop a guy you draft in the first round. I, is that, don't is, be is that always on the quarterback? You're totally right, but I think part of the issue is that I, I don't think Matt Lafleur wanted to move up to draft Jordan Love, and he he feels a little powerless in this situation. But you know what? Everybody's got to grow up a little bit. Everybody's got to put on their big boy pants. You know, like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> has got to live with the situation or retire, whatever. Just grow up. If you're still upset that Jordan Love's in the building and you're a head coach, uh, Matt Lafleur, deal with it. That's just the reality. And don't be afraid of it and embrace trying to grow him into a star. That, going back to my original point, Greg, was that if this is really the way this thing is turning out, and you and this is not about money, and and maybe, maybe not. Mrs. Miller, my social studies teacher in eighth grade, said money makes the world go round. It's what everything's about. And if this is actually deep down just about Aaron Rodgers getting a raise, pay the man. But if you sense that this is actually something else, something about his personality and a sense of betrayal and all this ugliness and starting to make the Brett Favre situation look pleasant in comparison, cut your losses and set your franchise up for 10 years. Yeah, my point, my thing would be that just do that next year because what you don't want is Aaron Rodgers blazing through the AFC playoffs, especially when you're not getting anything back. I presume that's going to help you this year. Now, if you're telling me... But that's, a, some, that's an assumption, by the way, Greg, that they okay, wouldn't get so anything some, back. Yeah, so I'm saying if it's not just draft picks, if someone is willing to trade you you know, Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton from Denver or Vegas is willing to trade you like all their good players, I just don't see that happening. I, I see this as, as a retirement for a year and he comes back or, and, then, and then there's a trade or he's just going to come back, which feels a lot more likely. I mean, it's not easy time to be Brian Goodenkos because it's like you're the person who's attached to all this chaos. And yeah, you know what? Trade him at some point, whether it's this year or next. Then you've got this quarterback sitting there, Jordan Love, who better be really good or the place is going to be set on fire. Gute, it's, you know, some storms have hit the shores of Germany's favorite general manager and Bob McGinn of The Athletic. Uh, reported that uh, Rogers has mocked Gutekunst in group text messages with teammates referring to Gutekunst as Jerry Krause. And by the way, Jerry Krause, um, first of all, one of the most successful GMs of all time. He was one of the most successful GMs of all time because of Michael Jordan. And yes, everybody knows the ESPN doc uh, and learned about the Jerry Krause power struggle within the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. But... Uh, the great late Chris Wessling once recommended a book to me that I'm just finishing right now, playing for keeps, David Halberstam. That really gives you an idea of what was going on in Chicago. And Jerry Krause, and rest, rest in peace, was a, a man that had a lot of demons and a lot of insecurities. So if you know the true story of Jerry Krause, it's one of the worst things you could call somebody because, you know, Krause... He's a Hall a of Famer, at least. He deserved it. If Gutekunst can get six rings in a Hall of Famer. But here's the thing. Uh, also about nice. Krause, like, Krause was very uh, – maybe this is the way it is behind the scenes at Green Bay. Uh, but Krause, was very, it was a big thing that he was always trying to take credit. Do you sense that Brian Gutekunst is doing that also? I, I don't know. Maybe he is. No. But I, I take do credit for what? That... They haven't won anything. I do, no. I do sense that Mark Murphy uh, is a really important figure here. He's, he's the pre- the, essentially the CEO and president. And he was right there saying goodbye to Brett Favre uh, 15 years ago, too. So mm. he's he's been through this before. And they drafted Jordan Love with the intent to say bye-bye Aaron Rodgers. It's just, you know, you didn't see that MVP coming. Watch All right. Out. Time in. Let's head to the NFC South, Greg, the New Orleans Saints. This, this team is not as deep as it used to be. I, I think their first-round pick uh, was surprising because they had so many holes on the roster. Instead, you're putting like Cam Jordan on notice. That, that's how I took that Peyton Turner pick because they didn't take any cornerbacks or wide receivers high. R- really thin at those positions. Their linebacker used to be kind of deep. Now it's Demario Davis and nothing else. I think very quietly the depth of this team, you look at their two and three receivers are, you know, Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway has been eroded so it's not just about the quarterback. It was about what happened when they couldn't spend any money in free agency. I found this draft strange, and I just don't see them as such a built, stacked team for Jameis Winston to take over. Because I mean, there are scouts calling Peyton <laughs> oh, Turner. Oh, Greg, I see what sub- you're doing. 
Greg lowering expectations for his boy Jameis. Weiss is nodding his head though. This is not as good a roster as it was. It's got some holes for sure. Go ahead, Mark. No, I just, I mean, I think that, you know, they're probably annoyed that people were annoyed by their draft, but someone called Peyton Turner, a scout, called him a severe reach. A lot of people like their second round pick more than their first round pick in terms of where, who they got. Just like, I, I think that they hit the wall that you're, I think you're right, Greg. I mean, we saw the Pats get in trouble with that too. I mean, you can't, there's only so much you can do and they, you know, you're losing guys like Trey Hendrickson, uh, you know, breezes out the building. And, and to me, I mean, Jameis Winston is, is an idea. Um, but it's like, oh, we're going to get this version of Jameis Winston minus the mistakes because Sean Payton is the coach. TBD. That's, there's no guarantee of that. Yeah, absolutely, TBD. And, I, and I'm with you, Greg. And no, Cam Jordan's not on notice. Marcus Davenport's on notice. I mean, but they, they just they gave just, him a guaranteed contract for next year. No, the fifth they, year they, deal, they so. picked up his option. They picked up his option. That, that, that's all he did. So, I mean, he's being put on notice. Plus, you lose Trey Hendrickson in that defense. you got to have someone who can rush, rush the passer. It's usually – you know, rotational, especially in this division when you got some of the quarterbacks. I mean, look out for Sam Darnold. But it's the roster. They're putting a lot on Jameis. I mean, they, they really are. We'll see. I think this is one of those things where they'll never say it out loud, but organizations do this. If we have to take a year to reset things, this is the year to do it. And I mm. think the Saints are saying this is our reset year to get the cap right, to try to stay competitive, but to try to figure out who we are for the future, and if we win now, fine and dandy. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. I, I like where you're coming from on that, and I also wonder, because I've kept waiting all throughout this offseason for Sean Payton to pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and really bring in like a big-time uh, successor to Drew Brees and, and see this as kind of a smokescreen, the Winston Taysom Hill thing. It hasn't happened, and perhaps it's not. Or, like what Steve's saying, we're going to see what we got here with these two guys. Maybe it all connects, and, and we, we have something big that comes out of it, or maybe next year Deshaun Watson's on the Saints, you know, like or uh, Russell Wilson or Russell Wilson or somebody else. Maybe there is a big move coming, just not this year. That makes sense because and I, and I think when I'm talking about the roster falling, you know, down a little, it's like who is starting Nine, that cornerback eight, on this team? Seven, I I can't figure. Six, you are yeah five, yeah like they four, like they they are there three, are spots here. Who's starting at tight end? Adam Troutman, like. Yeah, uh, Chris Richard is going to coach up that secondary, my friend. He's back. The defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mark Sessler. I would just look at, like, how incredible this team was down the stretch. The points they put up over their final eight games, 26 points, 31, 47, 44, 31, 30, 31, 31. Byron Leftwich is, like, uh, can we get a little more credit for this guy? I feel like he's completely not mentioned enough for what he's done. I, I have a two-part question, though. Do you think, just because everyone's come back, the way that offenses work in the NFL, um, assuming that Brady stays Brady, that they just pick up where they left off on offense and do their old, you know, dropping 40 on the reg um, from week one through week 18 next year? Or is, or, is, or is that just simply not that easy? And secondly, is there a t- like who actually in the NFC, if Rodgers were ever to not be on the Packers, to challenge this team? What team stands out as you anyone know, that's going to get in their way? I, I, as a uh, journalism school graduate, Mark, you usually you do the double question thing a lot, which they say don't do that because they're usually just going to pick one of your questions. Well, I didn't go to journalism right. school, so, you know. Missed that lesson and also don't Plus, care. you're asking three people. So do you want us each to answer both parts of the question? I mean, you just so cheat up six, 26 seconds, Greg, by be not six, doing anything productive. So. <laughs> answer it as you wish or or answer none of it. I forgot them. I, I, I think the offense <laughs> does pick up where it left off. I don't know if they can keep it going the whole season, but I think a lot of times the Patriots would come out of those defending championship in September. They would just like they would roll. And I, I don't see any reason not to. Uh, for this team, keeping that motivation, keeping that level of play through 18 weeks, it's going to be a different season. I'm not counting on their defense being as good as it was, because this was a defensive team. As good as the offense was at the very end, this was a defensive team. And and remember, those points were scored because that defense was giving them short fields. I mean, they were getting takeaways, taking away possessions, and then really putting them in a position where left and and areas could call great plays. You know, I don't like the fact of not changing. I, I, mm. I think every team in the NFL, it's different than the NBA, right? The Spurs can keep their starting five and reel off four or five state cha- you know, straight championships just because of the nature of the game and great coaching and things like that. But in the NFL, I think you have got to change parts every now and then because if you hit a slump, 
guys can get sour. Or if you start rolling, guys can be like, okay, we got this, or we can turn it on. And you may meet that buzzsaw one week who you just can't beat because, as we know, in the NFL, it's a game of matchups. And so I don't – I like the fact they're bringing everyone back. They're an imposing team. They're the team a lot of mouths to feed, though, on offense. If ever there a was lot like of a disease of more type of team, this is it. Doesn't Brady's yeah, presence, mean, though, like quell like what could be turmoil in, in, with a different type of yeah. quarterback? Dude, I think so. You're a student of the game, Steve. You're a student of the game, Steve. Do you um, remember a, t- a defending champion ever going this all in on bringing back the same team? Or having this no, but you never. I mean, most defending champions didn't have quarterbacks who took less to make sure it happened either. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. See what happens. The Atlanta Falcons. Fittingly, it's Steve Weich. And, you know, the expectations here are completely unknown. Um, you know, look, they they clearly committed to Matt Ryan by not going for a quarterback, even to the point where they signed A.J. McCarron as his backup going into the draft. So this is Matt Ryan's team for this year. He has got weapons. They drafted two interior offensive linemen who, who are plug-and-play type of guys. Now can they coach them up to protect Matt Ryan, who has been sacked like crazy over the past three years. And his tenure with, with – with Dirk Cutter as his OC, who's no longer there, higher interceptions, higher sack rate, just by whatever's going on right there. Getting Kyle Pitts as tight end, that's going to help. The big question is the Julio Jones factor. Because we just talked about Aaron Rodgers possibly getting moved. This is real. Okay, this is very real that Julio Jones could get moved before training camp because their cap is busted, right? And they figure he's the one high-salary guy that teams are calling about. They can't take back salary. So if they can get future picks seconds you know people are saying got to get two for he's 32 and he's been nicked up his trade value will never be higher than it will be before going into training camp so they are going to listen so if you don't have julio jones matt ryan's a different quarterback even with kyle pitts when he doesn't have julio jones and his defense yeah they drafted some players but they still have a ways to go especially changing defensive fronts um who knows the atlanta falcons i mean this is a total toss-up type of team i think maybe they they can we can win six games they can win you know 10 or 11 you just don't know these guys are super tired of me bringing this up but i mean they have like 24 less players than other teams in the nfl and there's six they signed like 20 they signed like 20 undrafted free agents so that that'll do it but that's to the julio jones point it's not like we want to move julio jones because of his age or his durability it's like We've got to find a way to create cap space. And, and I just wonder, though, I know there'll be a taker, but is Julio Jones right now someone that another team, I mean, the wide receivers have been drafted, like teams have fulfilled those needs. Who's going to come after Julio Jones and give a ton away? That's, I think that's tricky. Like The Kansas. Raiders. The Raiders. There'll be someone. You, put them at the top of the list. The what Raiders you, like, first round pick next year for Julio. Jones. I don't know what if they're going to give up a first rounder. I don't. Know I mean, if, if you don't get a first, then what are we doing here? Life is too short. Let's just see Julio it's, Jones it's, and Kyle Pitts nope, together. It's, it's, then. it's a cap. They it's have a cap to. Right. For, I get yeah. it, but for a second round pick, you can always move money around. I mean, I would I think know, there are multiples. like ten teams that can fashion themselves yeah. contenders that would see Julio Jones as. A guy that could put them over the top. Most the new got a second. You're going to send out Julio Jones for a second? That's disrespectful. Who, who'd you get that second from there, Greg? Uh, some chumps in in Foxborough. It was a bad idea. Just put them together. Who cares? Dean Pease will save this defense. The getting rid of Quinn might be an upgrade. I mean, let's Greg's be real. a little bit right now. What's going on? Just saying. Uh, I want to see them together. Oh, I want to call timeout. I'm going to use the second timeout. Remember, we never go into the tunnel without using our timeouts, and I'm not using the third. I'm going to throw that out there. All right. Steve, you got a gig with the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations on that. Uh, You're a contributor on their their website, all sorts of content. And without getting too personal, how much are they paying you? (laughs) You just got too personal. I'm not going to bust. I'll put it this way. I'm not going to bust their salary gap. Yeah, no. Now, look, I mean, the cool part is I'm going to help. I'm going to do the Mina Kimes and be in the, in the preseason booth. I mean, that's how this all started. Ooh, that's fun. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, that's how it all started. Something I really wanted to do. And so I'm going to be in the booth with Coy Wire and DJ Shockley, two guys I covered mm. when they were with the Falcons. 
And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a whirl and, and everything else just kind of expanded off of that. So, all right, we'll start watching your AJ McCarron tape. Cause you're going to be seeing a lot I'm of on him it. in August. I, I cannot wait. If you're worried, yeah, the reason why the Falcons are in such salary cap hell is that Weiss contract they took on. Oh, it's, it's, that's yeah. what it's cumbersome. I'm sure, I'm sure. Are they going to send sure you to the part. preseason games? Is that the plan? Like, where, where yeah. are we at with the COVID yeah. preseason landscape here? Hey, guys, I'll give you a tip, and you guys will appreciate yeah. this since we're in timeout. I'm getting paid more than all of us are getting paid for our podcast. <laughs> you can say that too again. soon. I love it. I mean, t- timeout doesn't mean that it's not going to air, Steve. We, it still will be on the podcast, but I, I it's okay. It's all it. good, Steve. I have a mortgage now, but uh, we'll talk off mic. <laughs> Wait, Steve. Does this mean that you would um, potentially relocate to Atlanta down the road if this if this assignment Ooh. became bigger and bigger? Because you are, a, you know, you've got Atlanta roots. Nope. Is that part of the, no? Nope. Nope. Love L.A., man. I'm I'm good here. I have friends and. My mother lives in Atlanta, but I am here. And only three preseason guys. games, right? We're not waiting to bring yeah. out the three preseason game season. That's now. Let's do it. That's so many. Well, of and us the good thing is, and the good the, thing is, it's not a team that I really cover. So, like when we get into the regular season and stuff, it's not like I'm I'm like on the home team if I were to cover a Falcons game. Because I, no, I the NFL Network them. requires the so. Falcons to like be in contention for twelve or thirteen wins before <laughs> they start covering them. It's like they're just out there. It's the whole NFC South, man. <laughs> you know, so many of us are Los Angeles transplants, but few have done right. it better than Steve. Steve yeah. is a guy that fits right in. Here right in, baby. Yes. All right, let us move on. Time in. Carolina Panthers. Okay. Sam Darnold, let's see where he's at now. Okay. Matt Rule, so he's paired with a competent, respected offensive mind. That's an upgrade over you-know-who. He's playing now with one of the great running backs of the last decade and CMC. Hopefully McCaffrey's healthy. He's got an old friend in Robbie Anderson, who they made some real nice music together uh, in New York. DJ Moore, like a sneaky kind of rising star at wide receiver. Second-round pick, LSU wideout Terrence Marshall Jr., is the Darnold Hive fractured as it may, may be now that he's been traded? Uh, but I still won't root for the guy. About to be proven right on Sam, or will we remember this as another poor investment at QB by the Carolina Panthers? My guess it'll be somewhere in the middle where each Hive member like stakes their ground and doesn't move off of it. That he gives you enough that it, of course it's going to be better. So than like you with Teddy Bridgewater, basically. Exactly. Like yeah. let's say they have the 19th ranked passing game DVOA like the Panthers did a year ago. Let's say it's about the same as with Teddy. People will defend Darnold because it'll be a lot better than we've ever seen him. And I, I do worry about the the protection there. They didn't go get a left tackle. Really, the, the entire offensive line looks like a question, and they're they're not super deep if at wide receiver if Marshall. Uh, the rookie doesn't pan out. So I mean, it sounds a lot challenges. like the New York Giants situation with Daniel Jones. I mean, yeah. If if we don't get the version of Sam Darnold that everyone's been crowing about for three years here, uh, then we know what he is. But you know, I don't excuse all his negative plays with the Jets. Um, I understand it was a terrible situation too. But I mean, this is a place to fly. And don't forget Chuba Hubbard at running back that you drafted. One of the best names in the draft. Hubba Hubba. <laughs> No, look, I, I think I think Darnold's going to do okay. I mean, I, I look. We what, what did we just talk about with the Saints? Who's playing corner? Right? right, Falcons. What's their their corners aren't good. He is not coming into a buzzsaw of defenses like he had facing Buffalo, facing Miami, and to some degree facing the Patriots. He's got an opportunity here. Okay, so that's part of it. Now he just has to show the acumen to learn an offense. And Teddy Bridgewater played well in for a while. He's just got to take some of the opportunities should they surface. That's the one thing Teddy has been, you know, kind of averse to in his career. And Chris, having Christian McCaffrey back, healthy guys, that Dude. will help him. And the defense right? could and be they, good. They've gotten really young. Like their front four on paper. I think Gross Matos slipped under the radar as a player when he was healthy was really good last year. Derek Brown, you know, Shaq Thompson. Like they now you add the J.C. Horn. Like it's a fun looking defense and, now. And I watched Darnold every start, every snap Darnold played. He needs to be rebuilt mechanics-wise. I mean, it's not just that he was in a bad situation. He fell into bad habits and had bad coaching. Let's see Matt Rule step up here. I'd love to see it. But just don't be too great. All right, the NFC West, we close out with starting with the San Francisco 49ers, Greg. 
you know, we all breathe a sigh of relief. At least I did just that they drafted Trey Lance because I want to watch this team. You look at the young players in almost every position group, except for maybe the secondary offensive line, and it's as good as any team, I I think, in the league. Are we back to the point now, after what happened last year with all the injuries, that we see the 49ers as set up as well as any NFL team to contend for titles over the next three or four years? Are we there? Yes. Yeah, yes. I think I told you, you know, a while back, I saw them as like a, a looming dynasty in the making. And look at even last year, I'd point to some of their performances with all those injuries. They're, go watch their two games against the Rams. They took care of business. I mean, they're, they're good inside their own division. They've got the best play caller in football. I think for me, it's Trey Lance, who is sort of an outlier in the amount of college production and work that he had versus some of these other guys. I mean, he wasn't used the way that some quarterbacks were, and I think he's a fascinating prospect, but it's it will be, you know, interesting to see how quickly he develops. Or if he plays. Yeah, look, I mean, you got Jimmy G we'll, still. Well, they're gonna have to develop him though, because Jimmy G is not durable. I mean, he has played he has had thirty played in thirty games in four seasons with the Niners. That's why they had to go get a quarterback for the future, but also in case Jimmy goes down, because to Jimmy's credit, when he's not there, they lose. Right, so he is a good quarterback, but they've got to get Trey Lance ready in that regard. But otherwise, they're they're solid. I mean, they've got they're they're. I'm with you when I say solid. They're they're set to rip off Super Bowls. They talk about Tamiko Ryan's is going to be a pretty seamless transition as DC. We know Bosa is coming back. We know some of those injured players are coming back. Um, if they can get a tackle, D tackle from last year to step up, that defense is going to be okay. Also, they've just got to get okay. their offense together and they've got to stay healthy. Also, no more excuses. I mean, this is nope. right. Shanahan has one winning season there, and uh, now you have, in addition to Garoppolo, you have this fallback um, plan within the season, and slash, he's the future potentially, and, and Trey Lance, some one of those guys, whoever's on the field, if Shanahan's as good as as everyone says, he should be a functional passer or potentially dynamic. And then you look at both sides of the ball. There's so many great players, and they were so killed by injuries last year, even beyond Garoppolo. I have them at number nine. Uh, in the power rankings. Wow. Uh, so to me, they're a top 10 team, even coming off the six and 10 of last year, just because of the potential. It's just, it's all there. Now they just got to do it. I think a lot of people would probably have them even higher. I don't even know. Like just in terms of talent, they they do have some little areas, interior offensive line. They don't really have a third receiver right now, which is surprising because Kyle Shanahan's usually all, all about that. Their secondary has been turned over and it's a tough division. That's the thing that would worry right, me if division. I'm the, they lose a lot to the Cardinals, who, and so that's Eight, that's been a matchup seven, problem. And then you got a really good division to five, try to get through. Four, three, two, one. The Arizona Cardinals with Mark Sessa. All right, I have a four-part question. All right, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> but our friend Jason Zumwalt, okay, a, a master My boy. over artist, uh, a super Cardinals fan. He sent in the question where I'm going to ask you. Great writer. All of this work on the defense is great, he says. Getting more physical on both sides of the line is great. But if defenses only need to contain Kyler and bat down his passes, which is essentially what happened the last seven games of last year, the question needs to be asked, is this offense just too short height-wise? Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk. uh, Now they've taken a 5'7 wide receiver and, of course, Kyler himself. Is this basically going to be Pop Warner versus pros. What am I missing here? Zumwalt asks. DK Metcalf was on the board when we grabbed Isabella. Higher graded and higher stature wide receivers were on the board when we took Rondale Moore. What are we doing here? I like this. I just like the, it's like the old playground rules. The bigger kids are going to dominate. The smaller kids are going to have trouble. Now you also got to factor in Kyler Murray's helmet, which is four feet tall. So that gets him to an average height. These are all the things you talk about. But when you mention all those receivers... They just can't draft wide receivers. I mean, that whole yeah. number, they drafted three wide outs. That, you know, two of them don't play, and Isabella is just a spot player. So that's why they go out and they they, sign, they trade for D-Hop, and they sign Reggie Wayne. So A.J. Green. You know, and, and they're not too short. Yeah, I mean, Let's I'm sorry, hope Reggie, A.J. Sorry, Green AJ. has a better time in Arizona <laughs> than Reggie AJ Wayne Green. did in New England. Yeah. Right. So, no, but A.J. Green. But it's – Kyler Murray's not too short. What they were doing was a lot of college stuff who got Kyler Murray's butt kicked. And that's why he had the shoulder injury. Was never the same after that. Defensively, they started to come on last year. They had a ton of injuries. Just look at you. They're going to have Chandler Jones back. Marcus Golden on. You know, 
you talk about a guy who's not talked about enough as a pass rusher. I think J.J. Watt will at least by reputation create a lot of attention so those guys can get free. So I think defensively they are going to be better. They figure out what to do with Isaiah Simmons. But here's something to look at. You know, earlier Greg was talking about the Bears front, you know, leadership having hot butts. There's some warm butts down in Arizona. Mm. Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime are not coming into the season uh, with a free pass. I've been told that the way that they finished last year and the fact that even though they won three more games, the way that they finished did not sit well. Ooh, did so not sit we'll well see. with Bidwell. How about that? That's, that's right. So great. so we'll see, um, you know, in, in the toughest division in football, top to bottom, you know, how We've things been, play out. Greg, we have been honking about that. I've been saying I feel like this is – he's going to be high on the hot-butt rankings when we, when they come out for us on August. And you pointed out they have made progress. They've won, they've won more but games But it hasn't been like season. the progress isn't really the progress necessarily that, are, that impresses you. I don't Nine, know. No. They also have Malcolm Butler – Robert Alford and Byron Murphy as their top three cornerbacks. They are going to be targeted. That's not bad, bro. Alford's played like two games in two years. I know he's an Atlanta guy. AJ Green's 6'4", by the way. Come on, Zemo. Guys, tall as hell. Up next, the Los Angeles Rams, Steve Weich. They're probably going to be coming in, I'm assuming, in the top four of Dan Hansen's group because the Matthew Stafford trade. And this is now, okay, Sean McVay, if you are that seven. dude, seven. Ooh, okay. Okay. He's but got the Jets if you're that four, dude, so. <laughs> and you can stretch the field. Okay, we went on got you to Sean Jackson. Stretch the field with him. We've got great underneath receivers. We've got some talent in running back with, with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Oh, the offensive line. Hmm. How good is it? I mean, you're really managing a lot of guys up there. They feel that they can do some things. Remember, Aaron Cromer is gone. They have taken so many hits to great coaches on their staff. Now, I know Raheem Morris um, replaces Brandon Staley, but losing Aubrey Pleasant, their defensive backs coach, to Detroit is a major hit. Jalen Ramsey will tell you that. Hmm. So they're great at, at developing and procuring players. Maybe the best team in the NFL. So you may see a lot of names on defense that you don't necessarily recognize. They'll coach them up. They are masterful so far at doing that. But, again, everything is going to hinge on Matthew Stafford, how quickly he adapts, and if this offense can be new. I don't want to say it can, it can resemble what they did the Super Bowl years. It has to be different because defenses have caught up. Right. Well, and it has to be better than it was a year ago by a lot because the de- you can't expect the defense to be where it was. That was a, a special season, they, and, they, and they had Seattle's number. Like, that's not going to repeat in the same way. I just like that, that it's being framed as like, well, here's the season we finally learned about Matthew Stafford for the ninth straight season. It's like it's like now it's like a new version, but next season it'll be well. That was his first season adjusting to Los Angeles. Here's the season we finally find out. Isn't he just like really good? Yeah, he's he's not necessarily great, but like definitely good enough to to be on a a title contender. He's got to be better than that to be worth. I think the trade. He's got to be like a top five or six type of guy. But that would be my question too, because like it's a severe upgrade over Jared Goff, and I love that they were bold and daring and just went for it and they got it done. But Matthew Stafford, a lot of things to like, but is he being a little overrated here that they're just going to plug him into this offense and the Rams are a Super Bowl team? I'm fascinated to see it. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm excited to see him in a new place. Yeah, I think so. They went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, a young Jared Goff, who a young Jared Goff that year is not as good as Matthew Stafford in an average year. And you guys can battle me with that. No, I'll I'll give you that. I think people have now almost underrated Goff. Like I saw someone say, like, like he, you know, oh, he has no arm talent or whatever. It's like Jared Goff has had some moments. That's crazy. Jared Goff can throw it. It was the giveaways. That's it was the giveaways. Completely, my. I think people are so down on Goff that it makes it seem like they have a massive upgrade of epic proportions now. But he was never that bad. Last year, the one thing I really liked the figured out last year. One thing I like from Greg, though, is this is complete dismissal of Jim Bob Cooter's uh, OC skills. Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> he's there? I don't even know. He's their offensive he coordinator? Oh, he, he was. Like oh, in Detroit, yeah. Greg yeah. does not like Cooter. All right. Um, finally, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, did you know that the Seahawks 
made just three picks in the entire draft. That that's that's tough. That's a tough one. Um, and there's only been five teams since 1967 that have had that those uh, that few amount of picks. Uh, their first pick, uh, 56th overall, was a wide receiver, Dwayne Extridge, and that's good because they were a little they were a little uh, thin after DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but. Russell Wilson came out and was, you know, honking this offseason. I can't get hit so much. There was really no true investment in the offensive line that I saw. Uh, is this just setting the stage for more drama around Seattle where the team might not be better? The offensive line might not be better. Wilson's probably not going to change his game, so he'll keep getting hit. And this time next year, they're another, you know, they win 10 or 11 games, don't go to the Super Bowl, and more bad blood bubbles up. Hmm. I mean, Do you think it gave Jackson... Did they trade? Did they trade for Gabe Jackson? Yeah, he's on the mm-hmm. roster. Yeah, so I mean, so so they did make some investment. Okay. Gabe Jackson's still a pretty good player at guard, and you know they've got to get better at guard so they can run the ball. That, that's what, um, you know, everything is going to be set up off the run, and they got some pieces. It's just going to be interesting how their new OC uh, Shane Waldron is going to implement an offense. Now you have every OC slash head coach in this division running the same system. Because Shane Waldron comes from McVay, right? He comes from the Rams. It's weird. Every head coach OC is going to run the same system. So they're going to be practicing against the same schemes. Nothing is going to look unfamiliar. So now is when the the players, the smart players, the tough players, and the guys who can execute under under duress are really going to shine. And that's where Russell Wilson gets the nod over any quarterback Mm. in this division. But but he couldn't figure out the Rams last year. You know, want to talk to some height truthers? They're out there in Seattle, or at least in this division. The Rams, I think, believe that Wilson's height was a problem going up against their defensive line. That he could not like that they muddied it up enough with their big front line. And the Forty ers have a very similar approach, and so does Arizona. That in this division, Murray and Wilson like have to be outside of the pocket sometimes to be able to see over the middle. I, there, there were times last year where you, where Wilson did not seem like he knew what was going on. It has been totally overlooked how poorly he played the second half of last season. It was like all blamed on the offensive line. It was kind of a wild uh, series of games for Russell Wilson, considering the career that he had before that. Point. I mean, DK Metcalf basically said that they had figured out their offense, and then so, but you have a new offense now, and it's. I, I would just, I wonder. I feel like there's so many agitated quarterbacks that it feels like Russell Wilson's agitation was like six months ago. And uh, is that gone? Is that solved? I mean, that's what I'm saying. My whole point is that's all still right underneath the surface. Yeah. He's going to be their quarterback. What happens after another potentially disappointing season? They don't. He'll be, he'll be playing for Sean Payton down in uh, New Orleans in 2020. This is good. Wait, we didn't use the final timeout. I'm just going to use it with one second to go. No. Uh, well, what are we going to get done during our timeout? We, well, we just ran the, we ran the hurry up offense. We got to the 37 yard line. Triple zeros on the clock, and now we're going to the locker room with a timeout in our bo- back pocket like uh, okay. a bunch of jackasses. I, I thought we were taking a timeout with two seconds left to let the starters run after off the field <laughs> after two great performances around the AFC and NFC, and everyone just cheers for us, and we, we bask in, in the uh, well, I guess you could like, just do that after the game. Like a, but. I mean, if it we're is, up like, we're up like 27 nothing, do we need to be yeah. taking a timeout? Yeah. I, mean, we I don't think so. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. I, I thought Mark's point was, was well served. Uh, we're getting more like the NBA here at the NFL, and next season it could be Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, who knows who else could be up for grabs. Bunch of Herm here. Edwards is up in this podcast. <laughs> Flummoxed by the clock. <laughs> Steve, you've said it all. I'm sorry about asking about your uh, salary with the Falcons. That was out, That's of, all right. That's out right. of bounds hey. and untoward, but I was just curious and I thought maybe. No, you, you like the fact that I said, and I'll say it once again, I'm making more than we all make on our podcasts. <laughs> Which if you're making $1 <laughs> is true. So you know, Steve's, Steve's smart. He's, you know, he does everything here at the NFL. Now it's time to branch out and do some other things too. It's all about the side hustle, you know? That's, I want that's like a Steve Weiss, like I imagine we haven't been to Steve's house yet. Wonder where that invite's been. But like I imagine Steve has one of those really nice Southern California backyards where he's got the outdoor kitchen set up and he's like a grill maestro. And maybe there's like an outdoor grilling show on like the home network with Steve and his wonderful wife and all the kids. And it's just like, I don't know, just something, something else to think about as we continue to diversify um, what you're about. 
Guys, I'm 55, man. I, I am about to age out of this business. If if not voluntarily, people are going to think, you, you got to get gone. So I've got to figure something out here. I saw that house once because you drove me home from a yeah. Rams game. I wasn't invited, and I, and I called an Uber from there. But it's a nice house, had a nice-looking backyard, a nice everything. I mean, it, it was we good. had talked was, about getting together as a group, but then you know something called a pandemic struck the country yeah. and probably yeah. put that on ice for a bit. For some reason, I just had this image of like you know the soccer practice where one – mom or dad forgets to pick up their kid and then the coach has to drive the kid home and it's really just kind of sad that was steve driving greg back from some rams practice no 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 i was being i was being a teammate i was being a teammate helping rosie out did he help pay for gas i'm, I'm assuming i would the answer would be yes that he pitched in the answer would be it wasn't asked for mark I know, right, but he, he should expected. know to do that without asking now, greg that's manners 101 you peel off a hamilton and that's it my version of that was insisting he not drive me back to work that I can take an Uber from his house, but it's going to get me. Most he was of the ashamed. Way. He was ashamed. Like, hey, drop me off three blocks from no. from the office just so nobody no. sees this happen. Isn't Greg wearing the same thing he wore last night? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Thank you so much, buddy. And uh, yes, uh, make sure uh, the Huddle and Flow uh, podcast uh, to check that out. Give it a listen, Trotter. And uh, Steve, kill it on that and get amazing guests um, and have really meaningful, interesting, fun conversations. Check it out. And um, the Atlanta Falcons gig and everything else. Steve yeah, Weiss, top I'm checking out that preseason. How about that? Appreciate you guys. All right, what, Steve, you thanks, Steve. All right, and there we go. After another week of podcasts on the Around the NFL podcast, hope everybody enjoyed it. We love these shows every year. Uh, feel really caught up. Uh, Friday, network shows back around the NFL broadcast. Check that out. And then next week, another full week of shows. So that's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Steve Weish, Ricky Hollywood, behind the glass, virtually. Until Tuesday, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.